Thank you for joining the City Growth Church Podcast. Here at CGC, we're a community of imperfect people living in apprenticeship to a perfect God. If you enjoyed today's message, please like, share, subscribe, and leave a brief review to help make this resource more available to your loved ones. God bless you, and let's start tracking together starting with today's message. If you got a Bible, you want to go ahead and flip. Uh, we're going to be in uh, the book of Matthew, okay, uh, Matthew, uh, we're in chapter 7, we are in our second to last, is that like how you say, like next to last place, second to last, we're in our second to last uh, teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, next week concludes the Sermon on the Mount, and check this out, it also kind of uh, reiterates the Beatitudes from the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. If you remember from the beginning, I told you guys we would revisit that at the end. Uh, that will happen next week. It actually just kind of flows naturally uh, with our, our teaching passage for next week. So today, if you want to go ahead and flip, again, we're in Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be looking at verses 15 through 23. But if you got an, if you have a, a, a Bible I was going to say like a live Bible, but that doesn't really make any sense. If you have a, a physical Bible in front of you, there, that makes a lot more sense, right? If you have a physical Bible in front of you, uh, you're going to kind of want to hold your finger there, and we're going to flip uh, to Acts chapter 19 as well. I'm going to read today's teaching passage, and I'm going to pray for us one more time before we get started. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 23. Watch out for false prophets... They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Read that five times fast. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name, drive out demons, and in your name, perform many miracles. Hold on to this teaching right here that, that we're, we're reading here kind of at the end. So I'll read that again. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons, and in your name, perform many miracles. Also, hold on to the phrasing there. Verse 23 then I will tell you plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we're just so thankful to come together, Lord, just to share your word. God, to just share, share a spirit of worship with one another, God, that today we come here and we just drop all, all distractions, God, that we just drop every, every bit of baggage that we have, Lord, and just leave it at the altar, God, to meet you here in this place. We know that you meet us, God, when we come in, a, in an anticipating heart, God. And we pray these things in your glorious name. Amen. All right. I want to read for you really quick uh, a quote 
comes from one of my favorite theologians. Uh, everybody, I think, has figured out at this point in time from the sheer number of quotes that Dallas Willard is, in fact, my favorite theologian. But uh, definitely top five here is Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, if you don't know the story of Diedrich Bonhoeffer, go check that out. I don't have time here to tell you the whole thing. Just to know he was in a concentration camp, uh, escaped persecution, ultimately came to an untimely death. Uh, and he has a, a book called The Cost of Discipleship that I think if anybody that is trying to, to grow closer in their relationship with God, it, it's a must uh, in your spiritual journey. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, Cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. That goes perfect with, with our, our, our theme of our message today. If you, uh, if you were looking ahead, you can see here that our passage is dealing with, this is our, our second and third of our four warnings. Remember last week we told you there's going to be four warnings to actually close out uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And these two warnings are about uh, two kinds of prophets, right? Good prophets, bad prophets. And then two kinds of disciples, or our, our Greek word and the word that we like here, you know, is mathetes. So this is basically practitioners or followers of the way of Jesus. It's not until uh, the church at Antioch and, and Acts chapter 11 and 12 that we actually see Christians referred to as Christians, right? At this point in time, they're still just called followers of the way. Or, or again, our Greek word is mathetes. These are students of Jesus, and here Jesus leaves a pretty stark warning, right? Uh, do you think that verses 21 through 23, do those like set easy on you? No, those, those, those require you to think things through just, just a little bit, right? Let me read it again for you. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. If that doesn't make your skin kind of sink a little bit, your, your, your stomach kind of drop a little bit. This is Jesus. You know, remember the same Jesus that called people evildoers? Right? Same Jesus that tells the, the Pharisees, who were, these, were the, these were the religious people, right? Like, these are the holy people. And what does he call them? Anybody remember? Remember that teaching? You hypocrites. Remember, hypocrites. So now the same Jesus who, again, people who know a false dichotomy of Jesus only know Jesus as love and peace, right? People who are far from Christ will try and identify themselves with Christ by saying, well, you know, he's loving and he's peaceful. He also calls you on your bull. He also calls you a hypocrite when you claim to be one thing and you live a completely different thing. What this teaching does is takes the, literally the teaching he's been giving us in the Sermon on the Mount and makes it applicable to our daily lives. Clearly he says here, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. We've taught this before. Anytime we see 
the, the double emphasis or Lord, Lord, right? Or God, my God. When we see this, this is a point of emphasis. This is, uh, in, in the Psalms, when we talk through some Psalms, we remember the word Selah or Selah. This was like a pause and a break and really focus our attention, really focus our desires on him. So Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Not everyone who says to me, I know you. He is literally saying there will be people who, who say that they know me, and I will have to say in the final day, depart from me, I never knew you. We, we've, we've used before the, the, anybody ever been to a, like a sports game, right? Like a baseball game, a football game, and there's these professional athletes, right? That's what happens when you go to sporting events, everybody with me here? Uh, so you can be in the same place. You can even shake their hand, right? Do they remember you from Adam's house cat? But you, hey, you saw them, you met them, you shook their hand. You may even exchange words with them. But they don't know you. And far too many people have celebritized Jesus in the same way. That they come to him, they might even speak to him, right? Maybe even get close, touch the garment, but they don't know him. And in the final days, which, again, we're, we're going to begin teaching through the book of Revelation in two weeks, guys. We're, we're teaching it for a reason. And now, don't, don't quote me as being like some crazy guy that says, the, the end is nigh. If you're, I'm going to be honest with you. The end has been nigh the moment that Jesus left the earth. Right? The end times actually began, literally, the day that Jesus took the cross on Calvary. That was the beginning of the end. So, in essence, when you say the end is near, every single day it is closer than it was the day before. And if you look at the world around us, if, if we're not in the end times, the, the final days, if we're not in the end times, we're in a terrible season. As you remember uh, from the Old Testament, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, right, that the angels came to Sodom and Gomorrah where they practiced idolatry, they practiced homosexuality, they, they practiced all these things that take your mind and your focus off of Christ. Paul actually says at one point in time that, that all he knows is Christ and Christ crucified. And we live in a world that is farther and farther away from the significance of Christ being crucified. We know only Jesus the loving and the kind and the, you know, he does good things for people who ask him. He does do those things, but he also corrects. And, and more importantly, he offers up salvation. But salvation, as we saw from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, salvation does not exist outside of repentance. In other words, you cannot proclaim that you know the name of Jesus and that you have a relationship with Jesus and then go about participating in the same things of the world that you did before. That, again, 
is what he tells the hip, he tells the Pharisees that that's hypocrites, right? And we know people uh, all too often. People you ask them, to, hey, you want to you know come to church? That's why we love doing the love feast. Is it's like I can ask you to come to church, and you're like, you see, I've got these all these things to do, and it's like Sunday on eleven o'clock in the morning, right? Like we're in the south, we just left Blue Laws. You don't have that much to do, okay? And there we are, and we can say, hey, you want to come eat with us? You know, about 11, 30, 12 o'clock, on a sudden, people are like, whoa, yeah, yeah, a little brunch, a little brunch, lunch action, I can do that, right? And these are the same people that say, and I'm, I'm not bashing anybody, but these are the same people that say, how could a loving God, a loving God never had to give you your first breath? A loving God never had to send his son to die on a cross so that you could have new breath. A loving God, you're, you're, we're, we're judging things on the, wrong, on the wrong scales here. You're judging as if you are innocent. And we have guilty blood. So what Jesus is teaching us here, as we see in verse 21, Lord, Lord, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Notice, Jesus basically here says, the heart has to match the words, and the actions have to match the heart. Verse 22, many will say to me, no, it doesn't say, hey, a few people. No, many, multitudes of people will say to me, if that doesn't, if that doesn't scare you, if that doesn't make you think things through just a little bit more, you might want to examine your faith. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons? Notice this emphasis. I told you the, the wording, the phrasing here is very important. In your name. Does it say, through your will we cast out? No. It says, hey man, we were able, and today's message we're calling counterfeit fruit. Right? Counterfeit fruit. Anybody ever went into a, I'll get back to this, but anybody ever went into like a model home? And, and what's always like waiting in a model home on the kitchen table? Fruit. 99.9999999% of the time, right? What is that food? fruit? It's fake. Anybody ever made the mistake of biting into or attempting? Don't laugh at me. Y'all been there, right? Or maybe y'all are a little smarter than I am. You're like, yeah, it's got a certain sheen to it there, Caleb, right? But we see this counterfeit fruit. And on the outside, some of it looks really real. Don't judge me. Some of it looks really real. But if you attempt to buy into that counterfeit fruit, what happens? A trip to the dentist, right? Like take one of those, those fake bananas and take a real, like a real chomp. And it's like, is that really how you, don't judge me. Don't judge how I eat my bananas, right? The rind is good for your health. It's a little sour, right? a little bitter. But if you attempt to bite into that fake apple, what happens? A toothache. 
And if you have dentures, you probably left your dentures behind. Counterfeit fruit. And that's the same thing Jesus is saying here. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? People who lived in his will will be with Jesus. People who said the right things from the wrong heart will not be with Jesus. They'll be with him, but it's going to be short. He actually says that on this first trip, right, on like on this trip to this earth, I didn't come here to judge. But he follows up and says that the next time around, we see him through the, literally the revelation of Jesus to John on the island of Patmos, the, the, the book of Revelation. We see Jesus being very clear and indicative that when he comes the next time, it ain't friendly. I mean, if, he, if, you, if you know him as both your Lord and your Savior, it's, it's real friendly. But if you don't have him as your Lord and your Savior, it's going to get hot. Again, I'm not saying this to, to be like a conspiracy theorist, but has anybody noticed where we used to have four very defined seasons, they're really turning into two seasons. It seems that the hot gets hotter and the cold gets colder. Jesus made it clear to us, uh, God made it clear to us uh, back in the Old Testament that the first time he wiped us out, it was with water, Right? He didn't save Noah and his family because they were perfect. He saved Noah and his family because they were faithful. The next time around, the only people that are quote-unquote saved are those that are on their way to the new heaven and the new earth. Guys, we have to be very vigilant of our faith. That your faith is not based on your own merit. Your faith is not built on your own understanding, but your faith is built from a place that is founded and based on the foundations of Jesus Christ. And I say that, the foundations, to lead you kind of into next week. If you want to go ahead and read ahead uh, during this week, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll read about the foundations. But he said back, if you look in verses 15 uh, through 20, says, watch out for the false prophets. It's a stark warning, guys. There will be people that come along and tell you, hey, to get to heaven, you only have to do this. Right? Just say a little prayer. We, we all grew up in the Bible Belt together, and it don't matter what your, your, your background was. We all had that false, that false re revelation, right? That, hey, man... You know, you could just say a little prayer. Work on it as you go. Just say this little prayer, right? Your heart is exactly where it was before. Your heart is calloused. Your heart is of stone. But somehow you say this magic incantation. Jesus ain't into hocus pocus. Jesus is not, he's not into witchcraft and wizardry. Jesus is the Savior of the world who changes hearts. But the only way that he changes your heart is if you bring it to him in submission. Saying a prayer is not enough. I don't care if you're a toddler or if you're an adult. Just getting dunked in the water is not enough. These are outward signs of an inward revelation. 
We have to get our hearts right. They will come, these false prophets will come in sheep's clothing. What is Jesus known as? The great shepherd. He doesn't just use this terminology and this phrasing accidentally, guys. They will come to you in sheep's clothing. In other words, they'll pretend to be just like you. They'll pretend to be coming to meet me and my Father in heaven. But inwardly, they are ferocious. Your translation might say ravenous. I like that one better. They're ravenous wolves. Anybody know what ravenous means? That they will tear you to shreds. And again, he's very, he's very practical and very, very intentional in this phrasing here. By their fruit, you will recognize them. All right, we're back to the counterfeit fruit. Everybody say it with me, counterfeit fruit. I know y'all are feeling a little hurt right now because I'm telling you that not everybody who says they know Jesus goes to heaven, but let's make sure we address that and take care of that before we leave this place. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do you know what a counterfeit prophet brings? Counterfeit fruit. Anybody like like plums? Okay, if you don't like plums, then heaven is... I'm just kidding. Right. Right. Anybody ever uh, mistake? I mean, they're real close, too. Like, the plums, you, everybody know this, like, in, here in the South, the plums that you grow in your backyard are not like the plums you buy in the store. Y'all are familiar with this, right? All right, anybody uh, familiar with a tree known as, it depends on how neck you are, redneck, uh, you'll either know it as a crab apple, that's how I know you're redneck, or if you're proper, you know it as a persimmon, right? Anybody ever been into a persimmon or a crab apple thinking you were getting a plum? Uh, y'all was making fun of me for, for uh, biting into fake fruit, but here y'all are biting into fake fruit. If you've bitten into that persimmon, I've never done that. Never lied either, right? I've definitely done it. What happens to your mouth like instantly? It dries and any taste of whatever you had is gone. No amount of liquid brings it back. And I'll be honest with you, the more water you drink, the worse that it gets. The only way it can be done is to to, to just pass its course, right? By their fruit, you will recognize them. On the outside, these false prophets, what they bring to the table appears to be Thumbs up, good, right? All it takes is one, and honestly, it'll pass the sniff test. You ever smelled a, a crab apple? It smells like nothing, right? It's not until you bite into it and it's too late that you know what has happened. And unfortunately, far too many of us are falling for the same thing with these false prophets who come, stand in pulpits, and pretend to to preach a gospel that is anything other than that of Jesus Christ. They come and tell you about how you can just do this, right? And by doing this good thing, then, like, God will do good stuff through you. Did they tell you about repentance? No, they definitely don't want to talk about that one. 
Do they tell you about the baptism that, that occurs, be it physical or spiritual, in the baptism of the fire? No, they don't tell you about that. They just tell you about how you can pray enough, how you can do enough, and then you think you have God, but you have a counterfeit God in your life. Do people, this is verse 16, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? Again, he's intentional with his phrasing here. Does a thorn bush produce grapes? If yours does, then you'd like, you just package that thing and sell it. Because that's not what happens with thorn bushes. Or do figs come from thistles? Have to look it up. You know what a thistle is? Like an even meaner thorn bush. Right? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Check this out. Again, phrasing, intentional. Does a bad tree produce fruit? It can. It sure can. It can pass the, the, the look. It can pass the smell. It can pass the touch. But I told you guys, God had instilled this, this idea in my mind weeks ago, and it was this idea of taste and see, taste and see. And a false prophet can easily be identified by one simple taste. Why? Because what they present to you reintroduces you to the life of sin that you once lived, and it leads you to a place where you make excuses and say, I can quit any time I want. If you've never been there, I hope you never see. But for those of us who have lived this life and lived it like YOLO lived it, right? We've been there. And sin tastes good in the moment. I've had people tell me like, oh, sinning is actually not fun. You ain't doing it right. Right? It is good in the moment. But then comes conviction. And however good it felt, it wasn't enough, I promise you. Because when conviction finds you, if that's what conviction feels like, y'all, I don't want to know what it feels like on Judgment Day. Because conviction gets a little hot, right? It might burn to the touch. But just know, on Judgment Day, there will be those who are burned up. Will you give me real quick John chapter 15? Let's look at verses 1 through 5. Again, you see this continued uh, theme of the, of the bush, right? This comes from the ESV. Uh, verse 1 says, I am the true vine. If you're looking in your Bible, these are words of red. This is Jesus. I am the true vine, and my Father, or Yahweh, is the vine dresser. Verse 2. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me. Everybody say that with me. Abide in me. Where is our true identity found? In Jesus. You can do things and say that it is from the name of Jesus, but that don't make it so. Abide in me, and check out this dual promise here. Abide in me, 
and then I abide in you. If, I, if you truly abide in me, then you don't have to worry about this promise that at the last day there will be those who I say, depart from me, I never knew you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Anybody ever took a, like a tomato off of a tree? What happens to that tomato? It goes through a process where it ripens and it continues to ripen. But does it maintain itself? Absolutely not. It rots. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me. Verse 5. Jesus again declared, I am the vine and you are the branches. I am the vine and you are the branches. What does a branch do, guys? On a, on a fruit tree, what does a branch do? It produces fruit. But where does the fruit and the, the branch, where does it find its roots? It's not a trick question. It's, it's in the beginning of this, guys. The vine or the root system. It doesn't produce fruit on its own. Anybody ever seen the roots of a persimmon tree or a crabapple tree? They ain't real deep. They can quickly be snatched up and thrown into the fire. Chafed, it says. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now I told you we'll be flipping real quick. Flip in your Bibles, uh, if you have a physical Bible, if you're using the app, scroll, right? Uh, Acts chapter 19 with me. It'll come up on your screen if you, by chance, don't have a Bible uh, in front of you. I'm going to read this story. We're going to kind of process it, and then we'll be, uh, we'll be closing up the message kind of early today, and we're going to do something pretty special. And by special, I mean it's reflective, and I want you to really soak in the teaching. Acts chapter 19, we're going to pick up in verse 13. Is it not working or something? It's all right. Uh, if you want to flip in your Bible, we're not going to have it on the screen. Acts chapter 19, verses 13 through 20. And it says, Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. So check this out. Some Jews... Uh, if your Bible has subheaders, it's going to go ahead and spoil this one for you. They're known as the sons of Sceva, or Skeva. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. In other words, they tried to use the authority of Jesus without having the permission of Jesus. They would say, Remember I told y'all how it was very important to remember the, the phrasing, right, from verses 21 through 23? In the name of the Jesus, in the name of the Jesus, not check this out, and not even just in the name of Jesus, but in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. Right? They're trying to be holy by proxy, y'all. 
It's like, I, I don't even know the guy, but like a friend of a friend, right? Like, that's how you bought the illegal satellite cards back in the day, right? Like, nobody actually knew the guy because nobody admitted to being the guy, right? But, like, a friend of a friend knows where I can get the card to put in my, my satellite receivers. I got all the channels. Nobody sinned and lived on the... All right, so just telling on our household, right? I've already told y'all, she, hey, she drugged me as a kid, Benadryl, straight up. NyQuil, there you go. Look, notice, like, that's how you know it's true, y'all. Like, I say the wrong drug, and she's like, nope, not that one, another one. Similar, similar, different drug, right? In the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches. That, like, I just have to stop at that moment and go, what are they thinking? Anybody ever, I hope you haven't, but anybody ever been around somebody that, like, they're demon-possessed? You ever been around somebody who is, I'm not being funny, but the spirit of addiction is a demon. I've been there. I've met that demon. I've battled it. If you know someone who is demon-possessed, the last thing you want to go do is challenge that demon. In the name of the Jesus, like that's how you know it's just not good, y'all. Not even in the name of Jesus. They use the Jesus, meaning if you put the before it, it's not a name. It's not a proper name. It's a title, right? So in the name of the Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Hey, demons, I know a guy. Well, he knows a guy, but I know the guy that knows the guy, right? Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. All right, so your dad is a chief priest. That means you know better, right? Like, th that's the way of saying, like, seriously, this is Luke saying, and they knew better, right? The seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. Verse 15, one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, not the Jesus, Jesus, you know, the Son of Man, right? Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. He says, but the proxy you've been trying to proclaim, right? But who are you? And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, like, demons are not nice, so it probably wouldn't just who are you, right? There was, there was like, there were some explicatives there, I, I, I guarantee you. Then the man who had the evil spirit... Okay, so now they have provoked demons, right? So now the poor guy who is living with a demon in him, who's battling his demons, now you've done went and upset the demons and claimed to know a Jesus. Notice I said a Jesus, right? Not Jesus. You claim to know a Jesus through a guy named Paul who you actually don't even know. You just kind of know him through stories. You know how I know you don't know him? Because if you're Jewish... This point in time in the story, most Jewish people are still afraid of Paul. So this guy we know by proxy, verse 16, Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. So the guy who's living with demons is like, thanks guys. 
I was doing just fine, babbling it on my own. And here you come, trying to say you know Jesus. And this demon very clearly knows you don't know Jesus. Guys, I'm afraid this is going to start happening as we, we grow closer and closer to the end times. As in Judgment Day. The closer we get, this is going to happen in our churches. That there will be false prophets from the pulpit who claim to know Jesus, but only know him by proxy. That come and say, I'm casting all this out in the name of Jesus. And the demons will actually come from the people and jump on them. Because them demons actually know who Jesus is. And the person that, that stands as a false prophet, remember we studied the book of Jude? What was it all about? That as we approach Judgment Day, false prophets become more and more. They become plentiful. The evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. All right, check this out. Anybody ever been in a fight? Don't admit to it. Just shake your head. Won some, lost some, right? Except my Aunt Renee. She doesn't lose them. <laughs> he gave them seven on one, mind you. Why do we know it's seven on one? Because how many sons of Skeva do we have? Seven. How many demon-possessed guys we got? Just one. How do we know we have just one? Because it's singular. He. Not they. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. That demon beat the clothes off of them, y'all. I'm not making this up. Like, this is not added for, for enthusiasm. The demon literally beat the robes off these guys. He didn't just beat the robes off of them. He beat the skivvies off of them. When this became known, y'all want to know how powerful this was? It causes a literal riot. Because these seven guys who were living on their father's legacy... Why don't we know where they're living on their father's legacy? Because how are they identified? Not as John, James, Joe, Jacob, Jingleheimer, and Schmidt. As the seven sons of Sceva. This is how they're identified. The seven sons of Sceva. And they're actually proclaiming authority. Not even through their own father's name. Hey, do you know who my dad is? We're exorcists. Right? No, they're saying, we come in the name of, of the Jesus. Like, the Jesus, the one that Paul talks about. They're living in someone else's identity, trying to live through someone else's authority. That is the definition of a false prophet. They come before you and proclaim a certain title. I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody, but they'll be reverend such-and-so and bishop so-and-so. They have a false identity, and they... Declare false words through a by-proxy assimilation. We come here and do this in the name of Jesus. Not through the will of Jesus. Not through the heart of Jesus who lives inside of me. But we do this in the, in the name, the proxy name of Jesus. I'm just, ooh, y'all. When this became known to the Jews and the Greeks... All right, was it just known amongst one people groups, the Jews and the Greeks? No, everybody in the area. 
when the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, pretty big place, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. All of a sudden, because Jesus did what only Jesus could do, now they're seeing the identity of Jesus. Not a by-proxy identity, but the real identity of Jesus. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. Do you know, you remember, remember when we talked about taste and see? When we, when we actually talked about what a real revival is. Not just like saying it's revival and inviting a bunch of people and maybe throwing it. No, real revival comes from calls of repentance. Not just from calls of repentance, but bringing in other people to confess their sins. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. They're like, hey man, we bought into these, these phonies. We, we came and we paid to watch these exorcists. Right? A number who had practiced sorcery, check this out. How do we know that the revival's real? Because people who are living in sin don't just come and talk about how they've sinned. They abandon the sin at the foot of the cross. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. You know what that says? I'm leaving the sin behind. I'm not just leaving it behind. I'm burning the identity so it can no longer associate itself with me. Those incantations we practiced, I don't want no part of them no more. It's got to be about Jesus. My identity has to be found in Jesus. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and they burned them publicly. When they calculated the values of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. That's a lot of money. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Notice how this revival actually occurred. It, it leads to a riot, I promise you. Go ahead and keep reading ahead at home. It came to be because the name of the Lord wasn't enough. The will of the Lord took over. Falsely proclaiming the name of the Lord was no longer enough. You had to not just talk about it, you had to be about it. All too often, guys, all too often, people don't peek into the heart of other people. They just judge on the outside, right? He claims to be a Christian. Every once in a while, I see him posting on Instagram, and he's a bitch. She, she always posts those, those verses, right? Y'all, we, we saw in the 40 days when Jesus was tempted, e even Satan knows verses. You have to judge people based on the heart of things. Not just the exterior. Remember, a persimmon can it can be counterfeit for a plum until you take a bite in. If you cut into that fruit and see the core, you see the seed, you will quickly identify it as not a plum. 
If you bite in, it's too late. This is a call, guys, to people before it's too late. Before the last day comes, it could come tonight. It could come literally now. You ever been outside when a storm is coming and you can just feel it in the air, right? You say, all the conditions are right. The conditions are right, y'all. We live in hell. We promote hell. We promote sin. We promote all kind of crazy things. All kind. Y'all know, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to actually just kind of, I love it when we do this. We're going to, in just a moment, we're going to pause uh, for communion and kind of reflect. And communion's going to be a little bit different today. You'll come and you'll get your cup. I'll tell you where to find it in, in your Bible. It comes from 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, it's verses 23 through 26 is our main passage we typically use. But our communion today is going to be personal. We're going to sit for about 8 to 10 minutes of reflection of song. Y'all thought you were just going to get out early, right? We're going to pause for 8 to 10 minutes of reflection and song. And we're going to, we're going to personally... We're, remember we talked about with the speck and the log. That, that communion was announcing, like, I have got a log in my eye. So if you sit and, and you're, you're listening to the song and you never feel the conviction... Put the communion cup back when you're done. There's no shame in that. There is shame, however, in, in saying that you identify as one thing and then your life being the opposite. So, Dallas Willard, right? Dallas Willard says, We do not believe something by merely saying we believe it. Or even when we believe that we believe it. We believe something when we act as if it were true. That's Dallas Willard from his book, Renovation of the Heart. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we're just so thankful, Lord, to be able to come to your your house, God, and just be humbled in your word. We're just so thankful, God, to be able to find our identity in you. That we're no longer defined by ourselves, Lord, but we're defined by you. That your will and your way would see footing and see ground in our lives, God. Your heavenly gracious name we pray. Amen. Everybody come real quick.